The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started singing. John 19.10 then, then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Under the Roman Empire, they had what they call absolute power. Now, we're not familiar with that. None of our people really have that. Praise God. Uh, after we uh, separated from the dynasty of kingships in England, George and them, which had absolute power. That means power to put people to death at whatever they feel. They don't have to have a trial. They don't have to have a fair trial. They don't need to face their accusers. They just don't like them. You know, put him away. And that's absolute uh, dictatorship or whatever you want to call this, absolute power. Pilate had that kind of power. He was given the kind of power that, that Rome used to do anybody he'd wanted to do at any time. Didn't have to have a real good reason. Now, if it got back to his superiors, if somehow it wasn't just or wasn't fair, they may give him a hard time on it. In fact, he was not able to hold down the rebellion of the Jews in Jerusalem. And ultimately, after the crucifixion of Christ, history says that Pilate was relegated to some faraway obscure post of authority and committed suicide. Now, Pilate's one of the few characters of the Bible that you actually have historical evidence, uh, absolute evidence, that he existed and lived in the time the Bible says. When we were in Israel, went to the Israel Museum. If you ever go to Israel, go to Jerusalem, go to their museum there. There is a plaque there that talks about Pontius Pilate being the, uh, the, the ruler in that area. And so you know that this biblically is absolute. And every piece of archaeology that they find does nothing but, but prove the Bible to be true. I mean, it just proves it true. And, and as you can go on and on about the various things that the archaeologists said the Bible's wrong on, ultimately they had to take it back, say, no, the Bible's true. The Bible's true. You don't have to hold this book in any kind of a shamefacedness. You can hold this book with the confidence that God Almighty, who made everything, wrote it, and he knows every little, every little jot and tittle is right, and you can rest your life. I decided at 18 years old that I was going to rest my life, my future, whatever that was. You guys don't know how you're, you don't even know if you're going to die at 19. But you rest whatever life you have on the, on the words of this book, the old King James Bible, and you will not be disappointed. You rest your you rest your 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 life on the NIV or the NASV or LMR. They won't even be sold or in existence here pretty soon. 
This new modern Christianity rolls through Bibles like you roll through newspaper. And they don't use it. You know, they, they just keep moving and moving. And nobody's memorizing anything anymore. The word's not being hidden in their heart in an exact form. If you stick with the old King James Bible and you memorize it and you put it to heart and you die with it, you will look back and say, oh, preacher was right. You will not be disappointed. 400 years God has chosen this old book. Verse 11. Thou couldst have, Jesus answered, thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Whoa. Wow. What? A spiritual, supernatural insight was given this old heathen, Pilate. Here he had Jesus standing before him. And he said, therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Now, this is a verse you can preach on. You could preach on the degrees of punishment in hell. You could preach on that and use this verse. Greater sin. There's people coming to me and say, ignorantly, sin is sin, preacher. That's not a Bible truth. If you're talking about sin in the, in, in the essence of sin, you can say sin is sin. That sin is violation of the law of God. That's what the Bible defines in 1 John chapter 3. Uh, sin is a violation of, of law. But if you're going to talk about different kinds of sin and different amounts of sin that you'll be judged for or somebody else will be judged for, absolutely, there is a lot of difference between Adolf Hitler and what he did and what the average guy does. Uh, uh, with, with, with the light he has. And there will be a degree of judgment that takes place at the great white throne judgment for all the lost people. And hell will be worse for some as it, it, and it, it less for others, though even in its less form will, of course, be a horrible place, what Jesus said. Nobody would want to go there. But it will be worse for some. Why? The greater sin. How can you have a greater or lesser sin? But Jesus said so. He said, the Jews who knew better, the more light you have, the greater your sin. So you said here and here preaching the Bible week after week after week. I can just warn you that when you violate the word of God, it's a greater sin than when the guy out there who never hears the Bible, never avails himself to the word of God, never reads it, he sins. He does it more in the ignorance of what he does rather than in foreknowledge like we do it. So having been raised in a Christian home from two years old, got saved at five years old, and been, been brought to an independent fundamental church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival services, missions, conferences, of, of ABSs, and everything else for my whole life. Do you know how, you know how accountable I am? Before God, I am super accountable. Then I got by choice... Uh, I received God's call in my life, went to Bob Jones University, went to Pensacola Christian College, and got a privilege that only a few handful of people in the world can get, and how much more accountable I just became when I did those things. And every step you take in learning about God creates a degree of accountability to him. So beware of that. And so I must do the right thing. I must do it. Because of the responsibility, who much is given, much is required. <clears throat> I think sometimes we have a lot less control over life than we think we do. Now, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not a five-point Calvinist. I don't. I don't. I think every one of the five points of Calvinism is wrong. Are wrong. 
If you want to know about that, you can get on the website, homepage, or get on the sermon page, actually. And you'll see there uh, Bob Shelton preached for us here a beautiful, a well-done study on Calvinism, the five false points of Calvinism. And he, he did it over, now the guy's 87 years old, been around, been around the world. I mean, nobody knows, I think, any more than he would know the Word of God. And he did a, a splendid job of showing that. You can get on there and listen to him. One of the best uh, areas I've seen. I mean, you can get books on it and everything else if you like to. You say, well, I'm a staunch Calvinism, a Calvinist. Well, I mean, you can say all you want, but ultimately that's not going to make it to heaven. There are going to be no Calvinists in heaven. There's going to be people in heaven. There are going to be no Baptists in heaven. There's going to be no Luthers, no Presbyterians, no Episcopalians. There's going to be saved people and lost people. All those labels are eventually going to be gone. And so I want to tell people I'm not a particular brand. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. That's what I want to tell folks more than I am whether I'm a Calvinist or not. But Calvinism, in its forms, tends to deaden people and breeds pride and kills evangelistic zeal. However, there's another theological position called Arminianism. Arminianism breeds insecurity. That believes you can lose your salvation, believes you've got all the control. Calvinism says God's got all the control. You have, like, no control. And, and uh, Arminianism is the opposite side of it where it says you've got all the control. And you can be saved, be lost, be saved, be lost. But Arminianism breeds insecurity, instability, and fear. The truth lies, the truth really is that we, as, as independent fundamental Baptists, are all Moraldians. That was a Frenchman, by the way. In France was Calvin in the writings, and he lived he lived the same time as Calvin did, Almerold, and he had uh, the biblical philosophy of uh, uh, recognizing both schools of thought, really believing the truth is somewhere in the middle between those schools of thought. The Presbyterians today represent the Calvinistic position, or what they call Reformed theology. The Methodists today and Pentecostal groups represent the Arminian position, for the most part. And the Baptists represent the Almoraldian position for the most part. That is who we are here at the gospel. But we often will make the mistake of assuming uh, that we have more control in our life than actually we do. Pilate, specifically, was fatally mistaken in his source of power. In that verse, he says, I have power to crucify thee. I have power to uh, release thee, but did he really? What Jesus said, <laughs> I like that, you could have no power except it were given to thee from above. There's no power but of God. Do you believe that? Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, we're in the political season. This is the political season, and boy, don't you know it. Well, politics divides people ultimately. I mean, you got got basically two major choices to make. Any other choices probably in my opinion, throwing your vote away because they're not going to win. There's no chance of them winning. And and we need somebody representing us in the highest office of the land. I know as Christians, I want somebody up there that believes somehow or another in the freedom of what we're doing here. I know my dad risked his life to have it, and it's important we keep it if we can by the grace of God. But I also understand what God says in, Ro in Romans chapter 13 and verses 1 through 7. I'll just read verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. The statement that'll, that'll rock your boat, it says there is no power but of God. The powers that be ultimately, if I may say add that word in there, are, are ordained of God. Jesus was given all power 
himself, as he says, at the ascension. When he came as a child of Mary, uh, he condescended to us. He became like us, a servant, uh, a, a, a human, a servant, God-man. He set aside a lot of the prerogatives he had as God, uh, one of them being his glory because he went up in the Mount of Transfiguration. And what happened? A little bit of his glory was allowed to come through. He set that aside or people would have, they would have been scared of him. They wouldn't have walked with him as he, even Moses, when his face shone, they wanted to put a veil over it. It bugged him, bothered him. Um, but Jesus as was given power in Matthew chapter 28, 18. He said, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's a great deity of Christ first. How much power? All power is given unto me. So I'm not worried about Jesus being beaten by the devil. Are you? I'm not worried about that. I know he's going to prevail. And that's a comforting, comforting thought when things around you may be deteriorating. Jesus gave this power to his disciples as he sent them out to preach, at least some of it. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, he says, And he ordained the twelve, they should be with him, that they might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out devils. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, it says, He called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. By the way, that's the verse we use to go calling two by two. In other words, you can go call by yourself, and I have called by myself, but the Bible seems to, seems that even Jesus was his wisdom, said let's go out two by two. So it's best if you can go out in pairs when you call. Um, it's because of the example in the Bible there in Mark chapter 6, verse 7. John the Baptist agreed that all powers of God in John chapter 3, verse 27. We're doing a little Bible study here. I'll get into the preaching part. John answered and said, A man receiveth nothing except to be given to him from heaven. How many of you tonight can hear me? It was given to you from heaven. How many of you tonight can see me? It was given to you from heaven. How many of you tonight can understand me? It was given to you from heaven. How many of you tonight walked here? It was given to you from heaven. I had to gout enough to tell you there's times when you can't walk. And when you lose it, brother, oh, brother, man, oh, man, how valuable all of a sudden that thing, just something small like walking. I mean, like walking from here to there. Woo, glory to God. When you walk out of here to your car tonight, just shout glory to God, hallelujah, I'm able to walk. Because if you've lost your ability to walk, you are in rough shape, man. It's bad. Paul agreed also about the power. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? What's, uh, what, and what hast thou that thou didst not receive? I love that. How much do you have you haven't been given? You say, well, I've studied hard. I've worked hard. Who gave the ability to work? Who gave the ability to think? Who gave the ability to, to learn? I mean, we're all on different levels in learning, right? Some of us learn photographically. I don't, as, as, as man, I don't in any degree close to what I've seen. People learn. They can read something, and they'll have it five years from now, paragraph above it, paragraph below it, and what it says. Unbelievable. I've seen some unbelievable memories. But I learned something. Every asset God gives you liability with. So them real super smart people, a lot of times, are socially inept. They, in other words, we, real, we dumb people are real sociable folks. 
I mean, we know how to act and we know how to be nice and how to be sweet, but them real smart people, they don't even know how to, they, they may not be able to change their tire either. Sometimes mechanically, they aren't given any gifts in the area of mechanical. And then the real mechanical people sometimes are taking away something else from them. Because what? God doesn't want you to be so proud that you go around saying, look at me, how wonderful I am. Paul wrote 13 to the 27 epistles of the New Testament. Man, he was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, he said. Why? So he wouldn't get over glory in what God was doing through him. And that would puff you up. I mean, the Holy Spirit coming to him and doing that. It is vitally important that you understand this truth tonight. Misunderstanding of it cost Pilate his eternal soul. His pride believed that he possessed power, and he did not. He thought his intelligence, his cunning, his expertise, his education, his strength, his abilities got him this power. His ability to politically maneuver got him this power. He misunderstood where this power came from. Dear Christian, if you have been successful in business, give glory to God. If you have made more money than the next guy, give glory to God. If you own properties and pieces of stuff and you've accumulated stuff, give glory to God. Because trust me, it came from him. It came from him, and it comes from him. Jesus rebuked the Sadducees in two ways. I preached on a sermon on this verse, so this is just included in this sermon. Mark chapter 12, 24 said, Jesus answered and said to them, Do you, uh, do, do you not therefore err because you know not the Scriptures, nor the power of God? And I spent about 30 minutes just talking about that verse a few weeks ago. They erred for the two reasons they knew not the Scriptures. Uh, the first thing you want to do, is understand the Bible. But the second thing that they erred in is they didn't know the power of God. They didn't recognize the power was as thorough and as far-reaching as it indeed is. Job, he recognized those two things. Job chapter 1, verse 21 says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. I, in my troubles, when I've gotten in, in stress and pain or, you know, where you wonder if you could go on, often will try to quote this or at least paraphrase this to God. The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, you say that when you're in bad pain. See how hard those words are to come out of your mouth. You see, when, when, when your business fails or all something goes bad or your child's taken from you with cancer, you see how hard it is to say that verse right there. Oh, you're sitting here all fat and happy. Uh, it's easy to quote that verse. The Lord give, the Lord take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. But, oh, it's not so easy when trouble comes. And, and when trouble comes is when the real you comes out, when the real who you are comes out. And I hope by the grace of God you'll be able to go to Job 121 and say, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What are you? What are you? What are you doing in that verse? You're saying God's everything. It's really you, God. It's your power. It's your power. It's your mercy. It's your kindness. Uh, you thought of me. Did you know your DNA and who you are is absolutely unique? In a six plus, seven plus, eight plus billion people in the world, I don't know who counts them. 
But, I mean, I mean, you know you're absolutely unique. A snowflake, they say, there's no two the same. I don't know if everybody looked at all of them to see that, but somebody said it. I always get a kick out of that. I don't know truthful why. Have you looked at all of them to make sure there's no duplications? But anyway, the, the, I guess they looked at enough of them and say, it's just not mathematically possible that they're going to be exactly the same. Okay, we'll go there with that. But when trouble comes, real trouble, will it destroy you? I didn't say if. I said when. Now I want to encourage you tonight. Trouble's coming. Brother Irvine, trouble comes. Trouble comes. Trouble comes. Brother Anthony, trouble comes. It's not if. It's when. Bob Shelton's wife uh, had a couple strokes. Is not in good shape. Trouble comes. Uh, I could name people here in this in this auditorium that troubles at your home. It's come. The rest of you. I don't want it to come to you. I, I'm not looking for trouble to come to you, but I can tell you the Bible says, and forget me, but the Bible says that you're going to have tribulation in this world. The word tribulation means trouble. You're going to have it. When the doctor, you go in to see the doctor, you got a little pain here, a little this, a little that, and he closes the door, it ain't never good. The doctor closes the door, and he looks at you and says, I got your test results. Uh, I think you got maybe a week to live. And you go, hello? A week to live? I've heard it with my own ears. Not for me, for my dad. Uh, what will you do then? How will that affect you? When the Florida Highway Patrol stops by your house, in the night and knocks at your door, it's never good. And they come to tell you that your son has just been killed in an automobile accident. Or what will you do? When a hurricane, ooh, this is really, this is real for us. You people that live in southwest Florida, do all of you pretty much live in southwest Florida? If you own property here in southwest Florida, you live in southwest Florida. If you're renting, you don't care. But if, if, you're, if you own property in southwest Florida, a hurricane is coming. It's just a matter of time. 1960, big old Force 5 hurricane hit this area dead on. Boom. Well, there weren't many people here. There was no condos on Fort Myers Beach. None. Zero. Now Fort Myers Beach full of condos. What difference will it make the next Force 5 hits will be the catastrophic amount of damage. This church's roof will be gone. I don't care how you want to nail this thing down. 235 mile an hour, these things just don't last under that kind of, you know, hour, hour or two of wind. But we know, we stand here tonight, and we sit here tonight, we know a Force 5 hurricane mathematically is a sure thing. Three of them hit this area dead on in the last 100 years. How long has it been since 1960? Any mathematicians here? How long has it been since 1960 to today? Do some math for me. How much? Okay. 100 years. Three. We had one so far. 
Now, okay, so you start doing the math. You say, well, by the bill, that means, listen, if, if, if when we had nine, it was a 205, we had four hurricanes go like this across the state. We had, I think it was Charlie. I can't remember all the names now, but it, it crisscrossed the state. The poor middle of the state. There was a place in the middle of the state that they literally hit the same place twice. Now, for a hurricane hit the same place twice the same year. Now, I don't know the math on that, but that's wild. Those people up there thought the world was coming to an end. Uh, that was my mom was getting a mobile home made, and that was the city she was getting a mobile home made in. The hurricane, one of them hit it from this way. One of them came hit it from this way. And then they kept calling us and saying, well, we got delayed. We got so much damage, we're delaying your home. And her home just kept going down the road and down the road and down the road. Finally, they get, they get together, you know, and finally make it. But, folks, there were people who were coming up to me and said, I'm not going to live down here with this kind of weather. I ain't going to live down here if this thing's going to blow away. Well, go up there and see how, you, how your tornadoes do. They'll kill you in a night, no notice. At least I got four or five day notice. But what are you going to do when a hurricane comes by? What are you going to do when a stroke possibly renders half of your body useless like Dale? What are you going to do? What you gonna do when your boss lets you go suddenly, fires you, and says the company not making any money, and you can't make your new boat payment? What you gonna do? I didn't want to get personal there, but uh, what you gonna do when your daughter at 16 years old comes home and says she's pregnant? What you gonna do when your doctor tells you your little one has infantile diabetes? What are you going to do when your mother and father announce that after 50 years of marriage, they're divorcing? If you believe in God, and your faith is in Him, and you believe that ultimately He's going to take care of you. Why? Because He's got the power to do it. See, all the promises of the Bible are vain without understanding this. There is no power except of God. And the powers that be, ultimately in the big picture, that doesn't mean individual people aren't responsible for their choices. No, no, no. The Bible says you are responsible for all your choices. But in the big picture, the power is ordained of God. So this thing don't go out of control into a conclusion that God didn't say it was going to go into. What will you do then? Understanding the scriptures and the power of God will help you. It will put you on the positive side of the issue and those issues that I just mentioned. Understanding that all power is given from above will give you peace that passes understanding. It will allow you to relax in the crazy life we live of uncertainties. It will overcome the bombardment of fear that the devil just loves to throw on us. I've felt the cold, and I've smelled and felt the cold breath of fear when it wants to come upon me. What we, what, the, the knowledge of God's power will quench the fiery darts of the wicked when they find their mark. It will keep bitterness from growing like a cancer in your soul, eating a hole in your spiritual stomach. It will stop anger from swelling out of control in the face of catastrophic disappointments. It will stop the endless, oh, this is good, knowing the power of God and the scriptures. will stop the endless introspection and reintrospection 
of wondering why. It will stop the pride from blinding and destroying everything decent in your life by you taking all the credit. It will humble you and make you realize that it is God that has blessed you and God that has empowered you and God that has enabled you to do what you're doing if it's for him. Now, I'm not talking about sin, God forbid. It'll keep a balanced focus in your life and cause you, cause you to be contrite in the face of God and in the face of your fellow man. Merrick played a beautiful song tonight, but he wouldn't have had God not allowed him to do it. And Merrick, and no matter how good you get on the piano, no matter how good you get in all what you do, always understand where it comes from. It comes from God. You, you practice, you get better, but he allows you to practice so you can get better. He always gives you, he's there, he's there anointing you, he's there blessing you, he's there. And as a farmer, you know how helpless you are when you put that seed in the ground. You know, you, you fertilize the soil, you debug it, naturally, of course. And, and you put those things in there and you say, Lord Jesus, grow it. Our brother gave me some what they call pond apples. I have no idea what that means. I guess I've got apples coming. I don't know. I got pond apples. And I put them in the ground. He, he had ripped them out of the ground. I mean, taken them carefully out of the ground. And he gave them to me, and I plucked. I, you know, I went out and my by. He said they're wet, so they can be by a little lake. I got a bunch of little water holes for my animals. And I put them in the water, plugged them in there, you know. And I just left them and said, well, I hope they make it. Boy, now they're growing and flourishing, and I'm going to have apples pretty soon. I mean, that's what they're called. They call them pond apples. That means you have apples, right? No. I don't know why, but it, uh, I found a couple coconuts the other day. I looked at a couple coconuts under a coconut tree, and that's where coconuts often are. And when I found the coconuts laying under a coconut tree, they had some sprouts coming out of a, a coconut about that high. I was with Brother Morris, and I said, I'm going to pick them up. So I was over at O'Donnell's, and I took a couple of them coconuts from O'Donnell. I hope I didn't steal them from him. I hope it was okay. I think we got permission. I don't know. If I didn't, I just stole them. But anyway, I put them into the ground out at my place, and man, now they're, you know, they're this big. They're high coconut. Someday I'm going to have coconuts. But when I get those coconuts, I'm not going to go around and go, I got coconuts you don't. I got pond apples, you don't. No, I'm going to say, blessed be to God who gave me and blessed the work of my hands and has allowed me to have coconuts. We need to constantly look up. Constantly. Colossians 3, 1, 2 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Two, two words in those verse 1 and 2. He says, seek and set. Seek and set. Seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things which are above. You know, if you watch enough news and listen to talk radio, you're going to get depressed. That's some of the most depressing 
stuff I ever seen in my life. I can't believe people feed on that. It would it would it would it would darken my soul to feed on. Now I look a little bit just so I'm in the know. I'm not outside looking in. But man, even that's tough. You know, but I would rather I'd rather concentrate myself on something that would on on set, on seeking those things which are above and setting my affection. Now, now some of you sign up for the Bible, and I don't know whether you haven't marked the Bible reading or not, but you haven't read a lick, not one book of the whole Bible. The all year you're six months into the year, haven't read one book of the Bible. Now you sign up for that so I can harass you. So I can push you, so I can shove you towards the light. Isn't that what that's all about? It's the accountability board. It's so that I can help you and encourage you. Why? You need it, man. Because I'm going to tell you, the devil himself knows that you are empowered by the amount that you seek those things which are above and the amount you set your affection on things which are above. But if you get caught up in the now and now, I get a kick out of that Bible board, to be honest with you. Some of the ladies that don't read their Bible, and I sometimes go to them and say, you know, I know you haven't read your Bible. Uh, I'm busy. They're housewives without any specific outside job. So I'm thinking when the kid takes a nap, that's when you read your Bible. You don't sleep. Amen. So a woman that stays home all day long, that doesn't mean she doesn't work because I, I know it can be hard. you got a lot of work. If you stay busy, if you stay idle, God have mercy on your soul. But if you work and you plan things and you stay home, you put your Bible reading right in that day, man. You don't go the day without getting in that book. In fact, you ladies ought to be uh, uh, ooh, showing us the way. Show us the way. You want to dominate us, man. Why don't you? You want to dominate us. You women have wanted to dominate us since the garden. And you're not going to get to. Because we're going to outreach you. I dare you. Outread me. And you say, girls, I pick a challenge. Oh, Brother Bill, I outread you two to one. Well, I'm going to tell you, it may hurt my feelings a little bit, but ultimately I'm smiling on the inside. Because the more you read this, the more you encourage me to read it. And I encourage you, and we, we, we work off of each other like a good team does. When I'm down, you're up, and you're up, down, I'm up, and, you know, we work off a team off of each other to keep seeking those things which are above and setting our affection on things which are above. That's what a church is about, by the way. A church is a mechanism of encouragement. It is an atmosphere of co-encouragement. You can't survive out there well by yourself. Now, you're going to not lose your salvation if you're by yourself, and if you never, if you were born again never went to church, beside Beside being rebuked by Jesus Christ, which said not to forsake assembling yourselves together and such, you would have trouble there. But you would still go to heaven because if you're saved, you're saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're dwelt with the Holy Spirit. But the church is a mechanism for success. It's a mechanism for seeking and, and, and setting and keeping it that way. Because don't you, when you sing a song, don't you agree, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Don't you feel that? I do. If you're a great soul winner, give God the credit. If you if you become a great Sunday school teacher, give God the credit. If you're a great financial person, give God the credit. 
If you're great anything, give God the credit. If you're not great, give God the credit. Do what, by the grace of God, do what you're supposed to do. I like it. In Revelation, take your Bible, we'll end with this verse. These two verses, I want to end with this. But boy, you need to look this in your book if you have it. Revelation 5.12, especially 5.13. For you animal lovers, and I'm an animal lover myself. By the way, I am an animal lover. I want you to go out and tell everybody, Pastor Bill really loves animals. I love to eat them. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Sevenfold diadem. And this is the key verse. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. Now what is every creature? It means every creature. It means every creature. It means every creature. I've read a lot of commentaries on this. They say this must be referring to all that God has made other than man. Such as are in the sea. You're talking about whales, dolphin, porpoise. And all that are in them heard I saying. Well, I bet that blew his mind. Blessing and honor. He knew what they said, by the way. It was discernible. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Won't it be nice when animals can talk? All I can tell you, I don't know how much they can talk, but they were able to say this where he could discern it and know what it was. Wow. Wow. All power is from heaven. Pilate, you don't have the power to crucify me. You don't have the power to get up out of bed in the morning if it wouldn't be for me. And Jesus standing in front of him. So you have no power except we're given to you. May that be understood clearly in your mind. Our Heavenly Father, help us tonight. Walk out of here, meditate upon these things, chew on them. And may, Lord God, you encourage your people to live, no matter what happens around us, that we live like light shining like salt. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.